I'm, I don't know, when I'm out here and Charlie's before, he's just got to get a Michigan jab in. It's like, it's just inevitable, inevitable. Like, I don't even know why it's like kicking a puppy. Like, why would you do it? It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing being a Michigan fan because there's, it's been irrelevant for eight years. Apparently you had a game last night. I thought season was over for, uh, for football <laughs> weeks ago. Gonna love it. <laughs> I think that's, somebody just said amen. <laughs> first amen out of person. It's just so funny because, yeah, it is so sad. You know, what it's been for me is it's alleviated blood pressure over the past, what, eight years? Um, and so I get to freely enjoy it more with my kid who's the rebellious kid. It's like, oh, I'm going to be an Ohio State fan. So it's really cool. Um, have a great time with it. But it's so funny. So here's what we're going to do. I did this with the other two services. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I lost a bet, so I have to do this. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I think, I think you guys won last night. Really cool for you all. It's awesome. Another great year in the books for you Buckeyes. And you know what's really sad? This is when you know it's hit a low in the rivalry, if it's even a rivalry anymore. Um, it's when, you know, you see each other in the hallways, and now the Ohio State fan is super bummed. Like, man, I'm so sorry. Like, I wish it was even competitive. Man, we really would love... <laughs> Really would love if Michigan can play along. I said, you do. Like, I would love for a third quarter to be relevant for me. It would be awesome. So here's what we're going to do. You know, you're, you're on your way to the playoffs and all that's really great and all. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance to celebrate this. Uh, we're, I'm going to let you do the 08 because you constantly got to remind yourself how to spell Ohio. So we're going to let you. <laughs> Probably kidding. I lost everyone. People are leaving now. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you do this. And I'm going to... Charlie, I hate you. I'm going to lead you in some O-H-I-O. So here we go on three. I'm not saying, I won't say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to, sp- I'll spell it, I guess. <laughs> All right, on three. One, two, three. O-H-I-O. That's all I'm going to give. So, yeah. Well, see, okay. I told him, I said, no pictures. You're going to put it on social media. I just know it. And then I'm going to lose all credibility with my friends. Anyway, we like to have fun here. Um, I'm super excited about being a part of this weekend. As you've walked in here, this weekend is just, it's just really cool. Really cool. It's a different weekend. We're doing things differently. We're excited about it. I just want to go ahead and let you know that this service is going to, it's going to flow differently. I'm going to give about a 20 minute message. Uh, We're going to talk, some of you are cheering that right now. Um, a 20-minute message. We're going to do communion differently. We're going to pass it. I'm going to tell you why we're doing that. After communion, there's going to be a featured song by Levi and them, a powerful song. And then after that, I'm going to come back out. So I encourage you to be, you know, stick with us, be patient through this, because it's really, there's a, this is a really cool initiative we're doing. And so what I wanted to remind us of is my message two weeks ago, which fits perfectly into what we're doing in this series, Hilarious Holidays. If you remember in this series, we've had a couple of, we've had questions that go along with each weekend. Levi did a great job of kicking us off saying, man, can I live generously and truly be cheerful in doing that? And you remember the core text that he used there was in 2 Corinthians 9 where Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. Hilarion is that word. That's where our play on words is with this series. And then I followed Levi and my question was, can we live generously, truly live generously without any expectation of return? And the answer to that question was, yeah, I, I believe we should because I think God wants us to live that way. 
And then Pete did a great job last week of encapsulating God's character. He lives generously. He loves giving generously. As Christmas time comes around, it's a reminder that God gave cheerfully and without any expectation of return because there's nothing I can do, Eric can do to ever repay the gift that God gave. And because he gave, it's why we give. And so I want to remind us of our text, and our text was in 2 Corinthians 9. That's the focal point of this series. And I want to set this up because it fits so well with today. In fact, it fits so well that I think if Paul was to write this letter to us, or text it to us, or email us, it would probably be called 2 Daytonians 9, the church in Dayton. Here's the deal. We've got a need, and we think your resources could help. And so let's get, let's get a reminder, let's check out the text. I want to set it up again, what's going on here. Again, this is the church in Corinth, a Greek church in Corinth. And the needs that are going on here is a church actually in Jerusalem, a different people group altogether. It's the power of the church when we all live and share together. Paul is saying, listen, they have some serious needs. And you guys at the church of Corinth have identified you have an abundance of resources. And so what we want to do is we want to redirect those resources to the church in Jerusalem. In fact, the narrative is a little bit that they identified them themselves, and some time has passed, and now here comes Paul saying, it's that time. It's time to redirect resources. It's time the church needs them now, and he reminds them of some things. And so he starts off reminding them of this illustration, this agrarian illustration that would have hit home back then. The societies were all farmers for the most part. And he starts off by saying this, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Again, remember, the reminder here, this isn't prosperity gospel, the message that if you give, you will get more. If I give a hundred bucks, man, God's going to give me a thousand bucks. If I sacrifice and give all that I have, I'm going to double the house size. Everything's going to work out well for me. That's not this message. This message is when you sow generously, you will generously reap that harvest to the depths of your soul, soul enriching reward. And you may say, how is that? Man, all you have to do is look at the Christ followers in the early church They gave and they gave, and by our measures, our cultural measures, they weren't getting much monetarily in return. And so the idea is to the depths of your soul, you will be enriched when you live generously. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't do it out of obligation, he's saying. And here's that focal point. This is what Levi did so well. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, hilarion. For God is the one, Here's, here was the crux of my message, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. If you remember, if you were here two weeks ago, I said we all have a bounty of resources. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's mentally, maybe it's intellectually, maybe we have money, maybe we have all these other things. We have so many things at our disposal, and the question was, do you believe that God is the one behind all those, that it's his, that he has provided the seed, and they are his resources? Or... And our culture that, that perpetuates this heightened individualism to accomplish more, to gain more, to accrue and let it stack up and hold on because it's what you've done all by yourself. No one else has helped you. Because when we have the mindset it's God's, our hands are opened more freely. If we have the other mindset that's all just what I've done, man, we hold on tight and everyone is a threat to what we're holding on to. 
And so it's the idea that God has provided the resources, right? And we'll keep on going. Paul continues on. He says, when we take your gifts, again, when we redirect your resources to those who need them, in this instance, the church in Jerusalem, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. That will be satisfied. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And this last point, I love how he wraps this up. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. What he's saying is, it will prove that you truly believe Christ is who he says he is, and he is living in you. Because Christ walked this earth, showed us how to live, and was constantly living out of generosity to others, loving others, serving others, and imparting that onto his people. And he says, and when you live this way, this, it shows that you truly believe this. And if you remember, we had this triangle that kind of helped to image all this. It said that God's at the top and he provides the seed. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 10, that he resources me. Eric, I have resources and here's the crux. This is the issue. This is the tension. Either I take them and give or I hold on tightly to what I have. And so this corner is the most difficult part of the triangle because do I want to give or do I just want to hoard and hold on to it? Or do I say, God, you have graciously given. I want to redirect what I have to those in need and who could use it. And then when we do this, all glory goes to him. If you remember, we said, when we live out of generosity, when we use our resources to help, a need gets satisfied, right? The kingdom gets amplified and God gets glorified. And so I think for a lot of us, I, I think a lot of us have this idea of generosity that we want to live, and, and for some of us, the blockade hits when I don't know what to do with it. Where is a real need? Where should I redirect my resources? And to be honest, I, I am one who struggles a little bit with cynicism. And so maybe cynically you'll say, if I do give to that organization, that charity, man, how do I know? Is my money really getting to where it needs to go? Is it really going to those in need? And so what I love about Southbrook is we constantly try to do things maybe out of the box. We constantly try to help answer that question. That's what this weekend is. How about we try to answer a huge need, a need that makes our hearts moan and groan and it breaks our hearts. And so here in a little bit, I want to break it down. I want to introduce you to Compassion International. I want to introduce, introduce you to Stadia and what they do and make it clear. There's a huge need, and, and I think we know this. You'll see the statistics on the screen. Sobering. Heartbreaking. 600 million kids live in extreme poverty today. That means, extreme poverty means living on less than $2 a day. Specifically, $1.90. And 18,000 die a day because of this extreme poverty or extreme poverty-related issues. And so we see this. Maybe you do this. I've done this. You, you, maybe you're not unaware of this. Maybe you've seen the infomercials and you hear that massively bloated statistic and you're like, what is Eric going to do from Centerville? One person. How am I going to? What am I going to do? I'm nobody in this. In fact, it's a psychological thing called psychic numbing that takes place. That when we see this bloated number, we answer and we say, there's no way I can do anything for this. And so we numb it. In fact, Mother Teresa alluded to this when she said, if I look at the mass, if I look at that whole picture, I will never act. If I look at the one, I will. Listen to this quote on psychic numbing. Most people are caring and will exert great effort to reserve the one whose needy plight comes to their attention. 
Those same people often become numbingly indifferent to the plight of the one who is one of many in a much greater problem. And so this is where Compassion International and other organizations like it come in, and I think they do an amazing job of connecting us to the one. As you see in the display, you see different individual ones that you can connect to. And they do an amazing job of synthesizing it down to the one. And so I want to introduce you to compassion because I want to be very transparent in a cynical age. In fact, there's a church in Phoenix, Arizona called Christ Church of the Valley that had a massive initiative like this and then some. And they said, we're going to take about a year and a half to vet this organization. We want to interview the leadership. We want to look at their financial logs and their records. We want to know that when I push this out to our people, that they can unequivocally believe with all of their heart that their money is going where it says it is. And so they came out and said, it is absolutely the truth. Vetting them, going to their organization, going to the communities they serve, they said unequivocally, yes, your money goes to those that need it. The pictures on the packet, they are receiving the money. And so they rolled out a bold initiative. And so let me introduce you to Compassion International. And maybe for some you've heard this, maybe for some it's a reminder, maybe for some you've never heard it at all. Compassion International's mission statement, I love, it's very simple, it's beautiful, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And they've been doing it for over 67 years. I will tell you, they are a force on the scene when it comes to poverty in the world. Listen to their impact alone in the last year. In the last year alone, 1.92 million children received the benefits of their programs, and you're going to hear about that in a little bit. 1.8 million children were linked with a caring sponsor, that's what this is. 5.63 million letters were exchanged between sponsors and their children. It's a powerful thing. In fact, Carrie Shrewsbury, who's on staff here, helps with missions as well, was putting this display together, and she's got a third-grade daughter named Ella. She's a cutie. In fact, when I see Ella, we generally do some cheerleading moves together. I can't really get it up there, but every time I say, Ella, give me one, and we do this. Anyway, this is a side note. My ADD kicked in. Um, but she came in and saw mom doing this. She said, mom, I want, I want to grab a packet. And I think Carrie might have thought she would be this way, but she said, it totally caught me off guard. I want to grab a packet. I want to pick someone. And she picked Angela in Bolivia. And all she kept saying is, I cannot wait to write her a letter. So she already went home and started writing. And she's going to take that letter. She's going to write that letter out. That letter is going to go to Bolivia. It's going to get translated into Spanish. And boom, a relationship begins. So much more. On top of that, 7,059 frontline church partners with compassion carried out these programs. And so what they say is this, $38 a month will release that child from extreme poverty. That's why Charlie says pizzas, it's two pizzas, and the month can release that child. And I'm going to tell you how that happens. Here's how it works. Compassion does all their work through partnerships with thousands of local churches in 25 countries around the world because local churches are the real catalyst for community change, optimizing the mutual respect, resources, and common purpose critical in caring for children. Local churches are best suited to address the needs of the children in their communities because the churches are already located and involved in these communities. This is where their partnership with Stadia comes in. There's a display out there. Maybe you saw it coming, coming in. You can see it going out. I would encourage you to go talk to Brent. He's a great guy, great stories. And Stadia is an organization that they've been around for years, 
demographics, assessing communities and areas. What would be best here? What's that church look like in this area? Getting the right people in these areas. And so that's where they come along because compassion doesn't just come into a community and say, here's money, see you later. Absolutely not. They come in and they want to do this holistic approach. We want to serve those needs, but we want to connect you to Jesus Christ. And we want to come alongside you as you grow up and help your family and do whatever we can to satisfy those needs and then some. Brent shared with me this story that I think we, I totally, I miss this. I miss this. That He says three things happen when we do this. We've seen this. That first and foremost, we know this, the need gets met in a, children's, in a child's life. Secondly, he goes, you might not know this, but in those communities where these churches are, when these children get sponsored and this church is on the front lines of this, they gain credibility in their communities. Think about this. Right? In third world countries where there's brokenness, there's hunger, they don't have basic necessities. And then there's a church and people are like, what? What's this church? And what's their intentions here? And then this church says, my intentions, our intentions is this, to live out the mission of Jesus here. To come alongside and provide the needs best way we can. To connect you with a loving church community and to do everything we can to help you. And then Jesus and that church, credibility goes through the roof. And so it's powerful. And he said, the third thing that will happen is when you jump in on sponsorship, you as a sponsor, your heart will change. Your heart will inevitably change. So compassion itself primarily works through the sponsorship. When a child is registered in compassion's program, the beneficiary of the support is the specific child. Compassion works with the neediest and most vulnerable children they can reach, the poorest of the poor. And here's what happens. $38 a month. Listen to what happens when you grab a packet and you decide, I want to give $38 a month. When you do that, their program offers medical checkups and health care, health and hygiene training, ongoing Christian training through a local church, educational assistance, including textbooks, school uniforms, post-secondary courses, tutoring tests, and lab supplies, and even literacy and financial training for their caregivers, key life skills training, mentoring and vocational programs, nutritious food and supplements to protect against malnutrition, recreational activities and support to develop self-confidence and social skills protection from crime, violence, and danger, access to special services like surgeries and disaster relief, $38 a month. That's why Charlie says pizzas to children. It's powerful. We've come to experience this in our own life. We've sponsored kids, and we sponsored a kid and a different organization named ACE because my wife worked for this organization for about five years. And I'll be honest with you, I'm very transparent, I'll be honest with you. When she came and said, I think we need to sponsor some kids in Jamaica. I said, okay, that's, you know, how much is it? Literally, I started going through this, how much is that? All right. You know, it's like this little thing, like, I'll throw money at it. Didn't really connect the power of it. Until we went on our first mission trip, because we would lead trips. This is back when I was at a church in Louisville. We would take our, our, our high school upperclassmen, juniors, and seniors on a trip to Jamaica, and we were going down there, and I'm in my mode of, man, where are we going today? What are we serving? What are we working on? And all this. And then uh, one of the leaders of ACE came to us and said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but Wednesday afternoon, we've got time for you to sit down with Craig. And I want you to meet Craig here. See, Craig, that's my man. The first year, I didn't expect this at all. They hit me with this, like, wait, what? I'm in this mode of being a minister, pastor, serving my teens. We're working, we're doing this. Wait, I can, what, the kid I sponsor, I can meet? And so guys, it, it absolutely gutted me. Did not expect it. 
I remember going to the school that Ace works with. We went to the school and Craig, and this is what we miss out on. We miss out on this. Is that's a real boy who's in elementary, who's oblivious, who loves life, who's running and playing soccer and has the biggest smile, telling jokes, cracking up. And I'm like, how? And it gutted me. So we went home. The letters continued to be exchanged. And so we had our next trip for the next year. And I remember getting ready to leave. And at the time, I believe Braden was five, my oldest. And I told you guys how he just loves cars, the Pixar movie, especially at that time. And he said, I want to give, give Mater and Lightning McQueen for your trip when you go. Take it to Craig. And take him, take him a coloring book as well. And as you see, this is when we met him the second time. And that's what he's got. Right? He's got Mater. Well, that's Mater. There's Lightning. And there's his book. And it's so easy. Think about this. We pop in and out. We're that way. We pop in and out of Target, Walmart, whatever it is. Hey, grab a car, man. You want, what do you want to pick out a new car? Can I pick out a new car, Dad? Absolutely. And we go in and we take Craig these gifts and mind-blowing for him and me. He's just playing with it. He's reading through the book. I'm reading it with him. And it, guys, it is, it is an absolutely kingdom-sized impact. And it doesn't have to be a family. Listen, I understand it doesn't have to be a family. It can be a student sitting here today. It's like, I work. I would love to give students. Do it. Do it with your office and coworkers. Do it with a small group. We have a junior high group, group that, that supports a student, a kid. Do it with your family. Do it by yourself. Do it with your teammates. Grandparents. I heard an amazing story of grandparents who had 13 grandkids. And when this initiative came at their church in Phoenix, they were like, I'm taking 13 what? So many different ways where we can care and show our love. This is a powerful impact. This is the church. Charlie's going to continue this on next week, so I'm not going to dive into it too much. But this was of five components to the early church and what they were all about. And we're to live this out today, that we see brokenness, social injustice, left and right, and the church needs to stand up in the face of those, all forms. And so here in a little bit, I want to remind you that, our, again, the, the experience we're doing today is different. We're going to have communion in a little bit. There's going to be a featured song by Levi and the band. I encourage you to stay here with us. After that, I'm going to come back up. And so here's what you do. In a minute here, you have an opportunity to grab a packet. And this is Liam. Liam and his mom. And you'll have an opportunity to get up and go to the displays. In the small theater, there's a display in the back as well. And you get an opportunity to grab a pack and say, you know what, I'm going to sponsor a kid. I'm going to give it two pizzas. I'm going to sponsor a kid. And you have an opportunity to invest, kingdom-sized investments in a kid who has real, real needs. Paul would be saying, listen, church in Dayton, church in Dayton, Southbrook, you have resources. Let's redirect it to the church in Bolivia and Colombia. Let's do this. And so here in a minute, you have this opportunity. And here's what, what we would encourage you to do. If you feel led to do this, you'll go over to the display. We encourage you to grab a packet. I encourage you not to shop for a kid. That's what I mean by this. And that's, there's nothing wrong in that. But what that means is don't go over there and try to find the kid that matches your kids or your grandkids or some sort of your, your birthday connection or whatever. Because here's why we don't want that. In the past few services, we've had lines, and we don't want that to slow it down because there may be people on the fence already that want to jump in. 
And when we slow it down, they might be like, no, that line's too, that's too, it's too slow, I'm just going to go. And the kid doesn't get sponsored. So have the mindset as you walk up to the display, the kid that you come to, God has put that on your heart. He has ordained that kid to be the one that you're going to sponsor. That's the one. And you're going to grab that pack and you're going to come back to your seat. And there's this perforated form on the packet. You're going to tear that off. And at your seat, we encourage you to fill out the front and back of this form. This is the only form we need from you. And when you're done with that, at the end of service, as you leave, there are displays, there are tables on your way out where you drop it in a bucket. The rest of the packet goes with you. And so I would encourage you to jump in, to play a part in fixing what is broken. And so we're going to do communion here in a little bit. I'm going to set that up. I'm going to pray here shortly. And we're going to pass it. And the reason we're passing it is for this. We don't want to take this lightly because we know a lot of you may be searching right now your soul and if you want to do this. And so use communion to lean into that. Even if you're not a Christ follower, even if you're searching this out, just let that pass and sit with it because you can jump in. We can all jump in on this. And when that communion passes your row, I encourage you to jump up and go grab a kid. So I'm going to pray, and out of that, I'm going to set up communion, and then I'm going to get going. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the mission. I thank you that I serve at a place that constantly asks, what needs can we try to satisfy? Lord, you lived out this generosity in Jesus. You gave him for us, and you want us to live out the same way. Lord, I pray, and the Spirit is here. It is hovering in this place. You can feel it. It's here every weekend. And Lord, today I pray that we lean into the Spirit and ask, man, how can I make a difference? I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his sacrifice as we remember that as this trays pass of the cheerful, joyful way and a twisted sense of irony that he goes to the cross out of his great love for us to give a gift that we could never repay. And I thank you for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And while these trays pass, watch this video. Sorry, check out this So the time is coming for me to meet my sponsored child. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I don't really know what to expect. Four flights to get down here, three different countries, 24 hours. It feels like she's a million miles away. I have her picture, I know she's eight years old, and I know her name is Gabrielle. When I think about the poverty in the world, it's overwhelming. It can feel like a mountain, a mountain of challenges, heartache, systems that are broken. When it really comes down to it, it's all about the one. 
It's about one person reaching out to another person. I can't take on the problems of the world. And just because there's so many problems and I don't know how to handle them doesn't excuse me from doing something. And you have two parents who love you, and I know they believe in your dream too. But don't forget, you have a light inside. And the world needs to see it. I love you. It's powerful stuff. Very powerful. Now here's what we did. We went to Compassion and Stadium and said, what is the biggest need you have right now? What is the biggest needs? So we have 1,100 kids backlogged right now. That means over the course of the year, churches, organizations said, we could think we can sponsor about 500, but maybe they missed that mark. And so these are the realest needs they have right now. Every kid here hanging and here in the small theater are 1,100 kids, and that's a bold initiative. And we think our church loves bold initiatives. So help us eliminate that log. Help us Stand in the gap for these kids. We want to eliminate that altogether. Leave on the banner, going to play here in a little bit. We encourage you to jump up. Go to the displays. Grab a kid. Come back to your seat. Fill out the card, front and back, and turn it in as we leave. So listen to the words of this powerful song as you do that. And then I'm going to come back out and close us out.
If you were here a couple weeks ago, you would have heard me talk on the Jewish concept of tikkun olom. Tikkun olom is a phrase that is uttered in the final prayer of the day for practicing Jew. They would say tikkun olom. What that means is God, fix, repair this broken world. Fix, repair. And as a practicing Jew, I believe, I would believe that out of my generosity, which they called tzedakah, I get to play a part in fixing what is broken because of what God has given. 
when we hear that song about a wonderful world, do you believe that this world is beautiful and wonderful when we live out the reality of who Jesus was? When that baby that was given cheerfully to fix what was broken, that baby would grow up and say this, watch me, watch me, hear my words. And if you would truly hear and see, you would see it's a man, it's God who showed us how to live in our world right now. To love, to give generously because he gave generously. And when you grab that packet, you are you are realizing the fact that you get to fix what is broken. We thank you for that. If you're still pondering and thinking about this, you have time. The band's going to stay here and play. And if you just want to sit in this moment, you can do that. And I'm going to pray, and that's going to be the end. But remember, you can still jump in. You can still take a packet. Just encourage you to fill out that form and turn it in as you leave. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for all the families represented here. I thank you again for the gift that was given. And that when that gift comes into my life, it's a gift that is continually given. And I pray as we continue to talk on generosity that this church, this movement, Southbrook, that we move together and live out generosity the way that you did. Because we know this world is absolutely, unequivocally broken. But when we live like you lived, we can see little semblances of fixing and repairing what was broken. I thank you, God. I thank you that I serve a God who fixes what is broken. The great Redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen.